Welcome to this week's episode of Extraordinary Entrepreneurs Together, the podcast for entrepreneurs interested in fast growth and funding, powered by EHE Capital. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the EHE Capital podcast. So this is all about entrepreneurs, helping entrepreneurs. And this week, I'm joined by Guy and Gary. Hi, Guy. Hi, Gary. Hi there. Hi, Nari. Ready and looking forward to the uh, podcast. Good. So we're coming to the end of the year. So I always feel like it's a nice time to reflect about what's happened in the world, as in the entrepreneurial world, not the wider world, because that would take us a long time. What's been happening in the entrepreneurial world in 2021? What are our highs? What are our lows? Who's done well? Who's perhaps not done so well? What are the lessons that could be learned? So I'm really interested to hear what you two have got to say, because we thought this would be more about maybe our personal journeys as much as it will be the wider entrepreneur community. I'll take it away with you two. Guy, do you want to start first? Any kind of professional highlights or thoughts of 2021 you'd like to share with us? Obviously, it's been, for for a lot of people, a a bit of a tough two years. And I think that's been done to death in the media and probably on other podcasts. Perhaps won't go into that. But other than that, when we opened back up in July, it's been an absolute joy to get back to some of the events. So I've been to a couple of events with an organization called Investor Ladder in Manchester, which were absolutely fabulous. There was 120 plus investors in the room and some really good presentations. So that was really enjoyable to get out and about and meet people face to face and new people. It's just very different to Zoom, isn't it? And don't get me wrong, Zoom absolutely has a place and we'll talk about that shortly, but it's really nice to meet people again. So that is probably my biggest highlight this weekend. Just going to going to a bit of an old school uh, Human League concert on uh, Friday night and Madness concert on Saturday night. Which oh my God. But, you know, it's just so nice to get back doing that kind of thing. So for me, the highlight has been the ending of lockdown. I know we've gone into a little bit of a minor lockdown now, but the ending of lockdown as they were before, and hopefully we'll never go back to that again, and meeting people. And from an EHE perspective, I believe we've used the time well, actually, over the lockdown. The idea was formed just before lockdown, uh, and we started work on it during lockdown. And one of the highlights has been to sign our first heads of terms, because it's our first piece of business, effectively. And we're raising money for a really exciting company. The team are just incredible. The idea is great. It's a tech-led company. I'm really looking forward to closing the deal and working with those guys. We've had a demo today which of our new platform. I'm not going to talk too much about that because we haven't really announced it properly yet, but it was a really exciting demo. And you know what I think will be the future for EHE and the way that we do business. And it will be different to, I think, anything else out there at the moment. So very excited about that. The other thing on today's demo actually was a, a partnership that we formed with an organization called Investor Ladder very excited about that, where that can take us. We're linking us up with hundreds, actually, of potential investors for the entrepreneurs that we're nurturing in the EHE company. And just you know, as a reminder to everybody, EHE stands for Entrepreneurs Help Entrepreneurs. So very excited about that particular partnership. And it's great that we're between Gary and I and the rest of the team, we're now getting two or three genuinely interesting opportunities for investment every single week. And it's really nice to see the kind of entrepreneurialism that that is happening in the UK. You know, it's alive and strong. If anything, I think since lockdown, it's become better and stronger. And people have actually, I think one one of the things, and we'll talk about this in a bit more detail later on, but one of the things that's happened over lockdown is that it's brought digital adoption forward 
Now, that in itself has opened up a whole world of opportunities that entrepreneurs are beginning to solve problems using digital, whereas before maybe they there wasn't enough adoption within their marketplace for the technology. Now there probably is because the pandemic's brought the digital adoption forward probably somewhere between five and 10 years, depending on who you listen to. And then finally, from a personal point of view, I launched a, a legal document platform in America about four weeks ago, again, which I'm really excited about. It just seems a, the right product at the right time. The legal world is behind the, most of the sectors in, in its digital adoption, and it's kind of moving that way, kicking the street, screaming a little bit. But what that means is that there are real opportunities in that area for entrepreneurs. So I'm really excited about where uh, Guider could go. Well, lots of highlights. What about you, Gary? Very similar thoughts to Guy in terms of ENG. I think we've come on leaps and bounds and we're starting to really get into gear. And I think 2022, we'll see us grow and, and develop and invest, which is exactly what we should be doing. So that's really good. But if I sort of like, it's just a reflection on the whole year, really. I, I think I started the year looking at a report by a guy called Terry Smith on Fundsmith. And his advice to everyone was, the world's going to go in two directions. It's going to be a K economy, which is digitalization is going to go up, uh, online business, and down is the retail, the offices, traditional bricks and mortar, et cetera. And I think we've definitely seen that. We've seen the acceleration. And I see parallels with the individual entrepreneur, you, you know, can go two ways in this lockdown. I've talked to a lot of people and most of them fall into these categories, which is ones that have done really well and ones that have perhaps haven't. And it, for me, it starts with their personal looking after their mental and physical well-being themselves and their families. So if they get that right, their physical and mental well-being, then they can either go into the creativity route or they can go into the stressful route. And I've seen examples of both really. So that K model for business and individual entrepreneurs is certainly there because of the stress of an entrepreneur who's got a business is clearly they make people redundant. They're probably closed for a short or medium term, financial pressure from the banks or profits. There's all that. Can you cope with it? And can you be creative in that difficult pivoting, flexibility, changing the way you do things, recovering revenue, et cetera, et cetera. So and that is underpinned by personal, physical, and mental well-being. That would be my take on the lockdown 2021. Thank you. Thanks very much, both. Are there any particular businesses that you would draw attention to that have done particularly well this year? Obviously, there's been quite a few names banded around that have raised funds successfully, but I just wonder personally whether there are any that you would highlight and, and perhaps why. <laughs> you got to laugh at Zoom, haven't you? That's, that's the emotion of me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, so like, right we never do Zoom, right did we? Oh, never heard no. of Zoom. <laughs> no. Now we're using it all the time. I love the car companies, the hands-off car companies. I think they've really, yeah. Is it Kazoo and uh, Kazoo, yeah. Singer? I think they've really jumped on and, and got a good business model. And my God, are they advertising? That's an interesting development during lockdown, really. Well, first of all, I think being a, a Mancunian, it, it's amazing to see some real traction in the Northwest, in particular in Manchester, for genuine either unicorn companies, actually, like PKI, or companies that are heading that way. Kazoo is actually Manchester-based. Peak AI, as I mentioned a second ago, had a $75 million raise to build an AI platform that allows non-tech companies to make use of AI 
And so it's almost AI as a service, really. So that was really interesting. And there's another company, actually, I'm going to give a shout out to only because I've got slightly vested interest in this. And it's a, a company called Bankify. We, a company I'm involved with, the startup factory, work with Bankify to build out its initial platform. But it's a great example of a Manchester-based entrepreneur seeing a gap in the market in his area of expertise and giving it a go. And so far, doing really well and, and moving forward very, very quickly. And what these guys do is they provide, and it's a great example of how an, an agile startup can make a significant difference to a corporate or a bunch of corporates that would struggle to build this over a number of years because they're just too slow. They're not as agile. They're not able to do it. And what Bankify do, uh, they provide banking services for within bank accounts for small and medium-sized businesses and things like just simple invoicing and following up and automated kind of chasing services and that kind of thing. So they provide a whole bunch of services for the banking industry. And actually, they've been really well received. And several banks have now not just bought the services, but invested in them. They've just raised, I can't remember the exact figure, but quite a few million pounds to take them forward over the next few years and extend this service, not just in the UK, but actually, they're building, they've, they've got an office, I believe, in places like Australia and the US and really going for it. So great to see. I remember with PKI, one of the things that I was really interested in is they used AI to deliver virtual reality away days for staff, which feels like a really topical thing, doesn't it? Because we obviously haven't been able to do that for our staff. So possibly wasn't how they intended to set out with the platform, but certainly they managed to evolve well. And they've certainly been one that's caught my eye as well in Manchester. Anything from, what about your end, Gary? Anything that's, that's caught your eye? There's an explosion in deliveries and the home delivery and food. I've never seen such queues out of places like McDonald's that aren't custom direct customers, that people delivering food. Yeah. It's just, yeah. We never had any visibility. I think it's quite an interesting dynamic, really. A whole new little business for people who, what do they get for the delivery? It's, it doesn't seem much to me. It's like a fiver, isn't it? Or a tenner. Or yeah, probably not, not, not even that, actually, Gary. It can range anything from about three three pounds to about four pounds fifty per delivery. Amazing. And there's a whole, I guess they do three or four at a time, but there's a whole industry there that we didn't have pre-lockdown, really. I find that quite interesting. There's, there's one or two others that have shot up, you know, and this is that pivot moment, you know, people just changing to, to serve the market. What's the new normal? What do people, what do customers want post-COVID? It's quite interesting. Mm. Yeah. It, it, do you know what? It's a great example, Gary, of people adapting to, to new circumstance. So let's face it, taxi drivers have had a rough couple of years overall. You know, when there was lockdown, there's just no need for the level of taxi service that was in place. The Uber drivers and the black cab drivers and the drivers who work for smaller taxi firms, local taxi firms just didn't have the volume of work that they had previously. They were fighting over scraps. They weren't going to the airport because no one was traveling out of the country and they weren't going on nights out because we weren't allowed on nights out. So what's happened is that they've moved into things like food delivery. And that's one of the reasons why that's become possible. And I think the other thing they've moved into, which has accelerated massively over the, while we've been locked down and will continue to do, I can't see that changing now because people have got used to it, is uh, home delivery, yeah. So they've moved from taxi driver to become an Amazon driver or uh, any of the Hermes or any of the plethora of delivery companies that are out there thriving at the moment because people have got used to ordering stuff online far more than they did before. 
And as you alluded to earlier, Gary, the bricks and mortar shops are suffering because of that. What I have noticed, though, is that local shops seem to be thriving. I think people are, are actually yeah. pushing back a little bit on some of the bigger companies like Amazon. Yeah, it's really global, cool. local versus global, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's, it's reversed a little bit. I quite like it too. Yeah, it's a bit like the analogy I've got is like when the Kindle came out, everyone went, oh, amazing. I could have 25,000 books on this little device and yeah. I don't need a bookcase anymore. And actually, people have gone back to buying books now. You know, the dynamics changed. It, it was new and exciting to begin with, but actually people quite like the feel of a book and it doesn't quite have the glare if you're in the sunlight. And there's some real positive things about having a, a physical book. And I think shopping locals are going through that at the moment. Yeah, yeah, big companies like American Express who are really pushing shopping local. But I see it over social media. I think that's been a big help where people are actively saying and encouraging people in their town to shop local. And another major change, I think, has been the the shift in the town centres. The health, you know, we're lucky where I live. We've got a really healthy town centre. There are other town centres that have been decimated, but the reason I think we're healthy is that the dynamic has shifted in the town centre from things like Boots and W H Smiths and some of the kind of the larger chains, and they've really struggled. But actually, then the specialty shops and the leisure industry stuff has really exploded. So. There's a lot more restaurants, cafes, bars, coffee shops, and people are spending more time working from there, from the, not from obviously from the bars, well, maybe they are, I don't know, but certainly from the things like the coffee shops have exploded because people are using them as a social space to work from. So that it's just a shift in dynamics sometimes with these. It is. It is. Well, actually quite close to the UK tourism industry, and that really has exploded absolutely exploded in all areas really people buying second homes in the uk people holidaying in the uk and i can't see that changing and what that's brought is a lot of international interest in the uk investing into companies if you look at the probably the top or the largest five uk holiday companies they've all been bought by americans in the last six months big numbers anywhere between 950 million and a couple of billion, but they've all been acquired, which is indicative of where the world thinks safe investments are. Yeah, it's interesting, is it? Travel is one of the ones that that has particularly had to pivot. And I think we've also seen travel companies who historically have traded on long-haul tailor-made holidays having to turn themselves into uh, UK specialists, but actually the recognition that you can still do a luxury holiday in the UK. You don't need to go to Barbados or do a twin stay you can spend a hell of a lot of money and get an absolutely fantastic accommodation or experience in, in Wales or in the Lake District. Probably yeah. not, a, not a lot much cheaper at the moment. But it, it, It's uh, been a reset, hasn't it? The way I see it, it's, someone's pushed the reset button and instead of just people automatically going abroad, which I think they got in the habit of doing, they've been forced to stay in the UK and actually they quite enjoyed it. And I agree, Gary, I think some of that, or hopefully a lot of it, will will be here to stay. It's also, it chucks up other interesting questions, actually, that I noticed that Wales has raised the issue of second homes and Cornwall has the same type of issue. And they are beginning now to to clamp down on the number of second homes in certain towns and cities, the touristy towns and cities. It's funny, these shifts on the face of it are great, and they are, overall, they are great, but they do throw up little quirky they do. They do. Dealing with. I was fortunate enough to be in Sulcombe last week, and uh, oh, that's a, that is a 
A, it was beautiful, great restaurants, et cetera, but it was quiet. And if you looked at some of the bigger homes, clearly owned by people who were there, wasn't many lights on. It's quite quiet. And that just backs up your point, Guy, that it does create little ecosystems that sometimes don't necessarily work for the community. But hey, that is, yeah. that's the free market where we are. So moving on to, obviously, we've got a lot of highlights. And I think there's some really interesting points there. Good old low lights. Are there any low lights or things to pull out? Things where people perhaps could have done better, should have done better, mistakes that have been made. Guy, Gary, have you got any thoughts on? I'm I'm not big on looking at what goes wrong. I like to look at what's gone right. I'm a I'm a sunny side type person. So I mean the the one that you know is very topical at the moment is fired nine hundred people over Zoom the other day. Was it Better.com, the mortgage company? Yep, yep. Which is my ironic name, isn't it? Given what's just happened, so I don't think he's done his brand any favors there. But it's an interesting one because people are throwing a lot of criticism at him, and he's had to react to potentially, so he says, to to market conditions. But I also think that he's taken the opportunity to to look at who has been underperforming potentially and that kind of thing. And rightly or wrongly, he, they've taken the decision to do what they've done. But what a modern kind of problem to have that wouldn't that wouldn't have happened two years ago i don't think to fire that many people over zoom basically if you're on this call you're fired that was the message wasn't it <laughs> uh, yeah but you know then it throws up the problem how do you communicate to that number of people in a personal way to say look thanks very much for your effort so far but due to some conditions that are out of your control, we're having to lay people off. What was his alternative? I don't know. I'm not saying he, he made the right decision. He made it a bit personal. That's where I think it went wrong for yeah. me. He just he, he could have made it non-personal, but chose not to. But hey, hey. But that was one that stuck out. And then the other one, obviously, I think a very topical one again is the the energy sector. And it's always been almost been a perfect storm in in, in not a good way that. There's a various factors that have really pushed the energy prices up and legislation hasn't helped for sure because of the energy price cap, which has restricted what energy companies, how they can react to the increase in the, the market price. But equally, actually, they should be held accountable a little bit because poor business decisions, they've got perhaps it's shown them up to have low capitalization, so they've not been able to ride this storm. They've gambled and the gamble hasn't worked this time. 19 times out of 20, it probably works. This time it hasn't worked. Not only hasn't worked, it hasn't worked in such a big way that, I don't know, is it in the region of 20 energy companies have gone bust? Bulb, I believe, was the biggest with about 1.7 million customers. It was so big that the government have taken over the running of it because they will struggle to to move 1.7 million customers efficiently into other companies in the near term. So that's certainly one of the low lights as well. Any others from you, Gary? No, not really. No. As I said, I don't tend to like to focus on them. There is obviously some clear ones, but hey, it's like, you know, focus on the good ones, I think. Yeah, and I think if there are low lights, it's the lesson from it, isn't it? So like you just said about the redundancy piece, you made it personal. So I think if for other entrepreneurs that hopefully won't be in that situation, but, you know, what lesson do you take from it? You don't make it. There are some things where you do make it personal, but that's not one of the scenarios. No, not in that. Not in that volume. No, not can I give another couple of quick examples of, of just small businesses reacting in the right way to the pandemic? Because the successful entrepreneurs over the last couple of years uh, have, have either been in the right sectors and benefited from the pandemic, and there are some of those. But it's also, in particular, the ones that 
have been in the wrong place but have adapted and done other stuff that is either just bought them time or actually has given them a new longer-term arm to the business in addition to the existing now that the the lockdowns have predominantly ended. And, and one that I read about the other day was just a small coffee shop, five sites, I believe. And obviously over lockdown, they were shut and they're still paying the leases and there's only so long a company can survive then. There's thousands of examples like this. But they moved into offering a pod delivery service for things like the Nespresso machines and that kind of stuff. So they recognized that people were working from home more and would still be drinking coffee. They're just not in their coffee shop. So what's the next best thing? Offer them coffee at home. And that's what they did. So I thought that was a really nice example. And another one is sandwich shops. Sandwich shops in cities have really struggled because cities, even now, you know, I went around London last week and compared to what it was, it, it just seemed a bit of a ghost town that you can see a lot of the office spaces are still empty or have far fewer people in there. There's far fewer people walking around. I was in the bank area in London Bridge area around there. It's really quiet. So what these sandwich shops have been doing is recognizing that people are working from home. They're still working. They still need a quick fix. They'll have time or want to make the sandwiches every day. So they've just shifted the focus from being in the city center amongst the offices to being in the city center amongst the flats and the apartments that are there and they're serving people working from home. So another really great example. And we mentioned earlier about the taxi drivers moving to to be either well, delivery drivers in, in, in other areas, whether that be food delivery or whether that be delivering online shopping. There's loads, the restaurant industry uh, have had to adapt, haven't they? So I don't know whether you two have experienced it, but a lot of the restaurants, less so now, but more in lockdown, were boxing up, like cook it at home. So Six by Nico is one that is, is really good that you could get that experience at home. We've got a brewery that will deliver within 45 minutes, I think it is, of the M60 radius. <laughs> so if you, not if for you, me, it's my husband that does that one. Um, if you ever run out of beer at a party, then whereas before you were stuffed or yeah. you had to go to test yeah. or something yeah. and find a, a designated driver, but now you can just phone up your local brewery and get them to drop it off. It's, new, dis- it's new distribution channels, isn't it? So it is, it is all about pivoting and adapting. And the thing that I think is really interesting from a customer perspective is we will get used to that. We'll go back to the restaurants, but we will still want to be able to have that dining experience at home and we'll still want to have our brewery deliver within 45 minutes and our wine delivery and our our market box given to us because we get used to that and we don't want to change our habits. So you're right, the businesses that that adapt and pivot quickly have have thrived really um, and probably will continue to thrive. There's a lot of lessons there, isn't there? Thank you. But it's one of the things that we talk about a lot, which is mindset. The entrepreneur's mindset, yeah. the business's mindset. Is it healthy, positive? How can I? Or is it, oh my God, I'm doomed? And it's those, it's yeah. going back to what I said, I believe passionately that K model is where we are. We're right in it. Yeah. Which way do you want to go? Yeah. It feels really relevant actually to the, some of the stuff that Andrea talked about from Strategic Coach a few episodes back, which we'll link in this episode as well. But again, that meant, like you say, that mindset and mentality about what's the problem and what you're going to do about it rather than the kind of wallowing or feeling sorry for yourself. So really interesting points. Thanks, both of you. Is there anything else either of you would like to add before we sign off today? I think the other thing we haven't talked about is real estate's been very interesting, hasn't it? Just a quick yeah. two minute on that. Yeah, to observe. You know, everyone's wanting more space. Everyone's moving out to the country. It's really, again, polarised real estate. Uh, And that's been slightly surprising, but it's a real boom. It's been a real boom, hasn't it? 
Well, I mean, Gary, another example in, in that area, how hard is it to get a builder at the moment? Oh, you know, because people are working people. from it is, yeah. People are working from home. They want more space. Well, and extensions and the roof and yeah, I know it's it is. The plethora of the outside offices which are really like and the, the design these yeah. things yeah. are like as luxurious a shed as you can get. It's not long yeah. one of the days where, you know, you, you retired to a shed to have a cigarette or a, a pipe or a, a beer or whatever. These things no, it's a luxurious, luxurious office, yeah. Yeah. Luxurious office. And actually, often you don't need planning permission for them. You can put them in your garden and work from there. So I think there's all that to come as well, more, more. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. We are turning our homes into our palaces, aren't we? We are. Well, and, and actually, people, people are often, I think one of the other big trends is that generally in life, people have recognized where the value is, which is my family, my friends, local. That's me. Actually, and, that, and I like that. Why do I run around the country in a job that I don't particularly like, in places I don't particularly like? And I think people have asked themselves those questions, and I think the answers are going to change us. The new normal. Yeah. yeah. The, and the, I think the, the other big thing that will drive next year, and it's already driven this year, and, and it's linked to the, the travel stuff that we're talking about is that the green agenda yeah people have realized that things have to change they absolutely have to change and i think a lot of people are now are making change i've made lots of small changes to my life yeah i've introduced some of my milk delivery to oat milk i've stopped eating steaks i've not done that for a couple of years now and reduced red meat massively compared to what it was and i'm aware of that kind of thing and i'm trying to do something about it if i can if i can reduce plastic and when i'm buying things i absolutely will i'll veto certain companies because they clearly don't give a damn about the amount of plastic and excess packaging they put around products i will not buy them from shops and i think many millions of people are taking actions like that so I think the green agenda will really drive behaviours in the future. And I think as well as being tech-led, I think companies will have to be environmentally led as well over the next few years. Yeah, I agree. Great, great point. Great point. Brilliant. Good. Good to see you. Thanks, both of you. Thank you both very much. Just to give a, a reminder, obviously, we do have the EHE community. So if anyone um, is an entrepreneur looking for fast growth and funding and more assets and help for growing their business then please do join the community we'll put the link down below and obviously you can subscribe to the podcast series because these come out every week and you don't want to miss them because they're very good right both thank you very much and i will see you next week thanks Larry. Thanks, cheers Gary. cheers cheers both bye thank you for listening to this episode of extraordinary entrepreneurs together visit the ehe capsule website ehe.capital for further insights and to join the EHE community.